With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone and welcome along to your Monday night Rangers Rabble phone-in. Uh, my name is Stuart and I'll be your host for this evening where we will look back on yesterday's rather disappointing uh, defeat uh, to Aberdeen at Pitodre. We'll have a wee deep dive into the game, get the, the guys' thoughts on, on, on what went wrong. Uh, we might have a wee look ahead um, to to the Sunday and the Cup semi-final and whether or not that yesterday's results will see any changes um, with regards to uh, the, the team that we've got. Um, I said as a phone-in, so we want you guys to get involved. Um, the telephone number 0141 628 uh, Really want to get you guys interacting uh, with with the guys and, and, and giving your points of view. The lines are now open. Um, tonight I am joined by Rangers Rabble Royalty um, and I've got William. William, how's things? All good, thanks mate, all good. And uh, Wolf, how are you? Okay, take yesterday out of the equation, I'm fine. But, uh, once, we start, once we start talking about yesterday, I would be. I was waiting on that. And <clears throat> last but not least, and he's just jumped on, just a nick of time. How are we, Brian? Um, had better weekends, yes. So yeah, looking forward to this to air a few things on the chest. So yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. No worries. Okay then. We, we can't put it off any longer. Let's talk about uh, yesterday's yesterday's game. Uh, William, we went into that. Um, I would have said fairly confident. We have seen an upturn in performances from this team particularly away from home. You know, we have actually probably some of the performances have been better away from home um, than what, we're, uh, what we've seen at Ibrooks. Um, starting lineup, any surprises there for you or were you quite happy or was it what you were expecting in, in, in terms of how the manager set us up? Yeah, it was basically the team I thought would start the game. I, well, there was obviously an option of one or two other players that might have come in, but when you looked at the 11, it wasn't like it was a shock. You know, I think most people probably anticipated most of those players would start, if not all. Um, so, no, like, there wasn't really a big surprise in the starting 11, I wouldn't say. Obviously, it would have been preferable if we'd had one or two other players back. Um, because I think I think the one thing that's become really kind of proper when you watch this Rangers team, even in the two games previous to Aberdeen, is that we really miss Conor Golson. And for all the people that's criticised Connor for many years now, they're probably sitting thinking, right, I probably shouldn't be criticising Connor because he's clearly the, the kind of cornerstone of that centre-back pairing. You know, sort of whoever he plays with always looks better than maybe what they are, potentially, because without Connor, we look vulnerable. 
Um, and to be honest, if Connor's still got one leg and he's able to play on Sunday, it probably improves us defensively, which doesn't really say much for the other two. Not that I'm saying that the, that the two guys have been horrendous. I think it just shows you the level that Connor's at and the level of defender we need next to Connor moving forward in the summer. And that doesn't look like it's going to be John Suter or Ben Davies at this at this current point. Yeah, okay, and and I think we will touch on certain players as we as we we go through this and and, and get your viewpoints on them. Well, I'll come to you. I actually thought for first half hour, thirty five minutes, it was a fairly decent Rangers performance. Um, you know, we we. We were creating chances. I thought there was some nice periods, periods of periods of play. I mean, I, I've seen better Rangers teams than this go to Petodre and, and and struggle more. I actually thought we we were doing okay for that that initial period. Did you? I thought we did. I thought we bossed the entire first half. To be perfectly honest with you, Stuart. Um, I mean, we had, we had four glaring chances in the first half. That if we had a a finish, we go in at least two and a half at half time. Totally, it's a totally different game. I mean, the one the shot Morelos has that the boy heads off the line, and Hunsakala goes one on one with the keeper. Um, either of those two go in, it's a completely different game. I mean, I mean, I was lucky enough to be at the game, and everybody round about me, and I mean everybody round about me at half time says we're going to rue those chances. We needed to go in with a lead because Aberdeen turned us round for a reason. Right, Aberdeen turned us around, so we were shooting towards the the beat the, the Dick Donald, the beach end, whatever you want to call it. Um, in the first half, they they always they always shoot that way. They they flipped us around, right? Now that was to take advantage. To me, that was to take advantage of the wind in the second half because they knew it wasn't going to die down. We said, look, all they're going to do second half is throw throw high balls up because they know we we are suspect at the back. The chances we missed were ridiculous, really. I mean. I mean the Sakala one, incredible. I mean, all he had to, all he had to do was watch the highlights of the Rangers women's game last Wednesday against Glasgow City, and she when the keeper was doing it like you walk round the keeper and put it in the net like Kirsty like, like Kirsty Hewitt did on Wednesday night. I mean, but every single person again rude about me. Well, we all looked at each other and went, "You would have, you would have put money on him missing that because he misses it all the time." That's the problem for all the for all the possession that we had in the first half. And all the chances we made, we haven't got a goal scorer that'll score goals. So, you're right. I thought, well, I thought you thought the first half an hour, 35 minutes. I thought the entire first half, we completely bossed the game. And then we just came out, they scored the fluke and it just fell apart. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I thought the last kind of 10 minutes of the, the, the first half, it just got a bit bitty and, you know, get a bit broken up and, and some of the control that we, we had. But I, I, I did, you know, I did, I wasn't sitting at half time. Um, Thinking, you know, this is a really good Aberdeen side. You know, I, I thought, you know, we were we were well in the game, but well, right, isn't he, Brian? You know, if we look at uh, some of the chances we have, you know, actually decent play. You know, good ball in from from Tav, really good leap actually from Sakala at the back post, heads it back, really nice play by Morelos. Actually, a good couple of touches and a and a really good shot. The, give the give the Aberdeen boy though some some credit in, in terms of getting back on, and then you move on to the Sakala chance, and you know, I, I just don't ever feel confident that you know in a one on one situation that Fashion Sakala is going to going to put put the ball away. Do you? <clears throat> Not really, no. And it's kind of been the story of the season. You know, we've we've played games away from home this season where we've been far the better team and we've been by far, you know, we should have scored at least two, three, possibly four at half, by half time at times. And it's just the same old, it's, it's not a different sort of script. We've all seen it. Um, we, we know we should be ahead. We know we should be well on top. We don't score and the opposition, whoever we're playing at that time decide that, you know, or, somehow find a way to score and we don't. It's it's just a another another issue that we've got. We just need to be more ruthless up front and unfortunately we we just don't have the the forward line to be 
taking sort of if we've got four chances, we'll score two. It's just we're just not going to. That's just not how who we are. I mean, look at yesterday. We had twenty. I think it was twenty odd attempts in on 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 you know shots. We didn't score. So it's that's that's been our our hindrance for a long time. Um, we'll get on to the defensive side, but I mean that's for me. That's that's been our our big big downfall this season. Yeah, and, and, and William, you know, we, as, as the half goes on, we've then got a, 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 a decent chance for Barisic. You know, he's, he's set up nice. It's actually a, a really nice move. Um, at that point, I actually thought Morelos at this point was playing quite well. You know, his movement was good. It's a good ball into Tillman. Nice layoff. It's really crying out for Barisic just to put his laces through it. But, you know, we've seen him doing it at St. Johnston earlier in the season where he, he kind of does this side foot, uh, but yeah. it comes off the, the outside of the post. Um, and then we've got. Um, I'll stop, pause there because we've got our first call. Actually, we've got Colin on the line. Colin, are you there? Hi. Hi, Colin. How you doing, mate? Not bad, mate. How you doing, guys? Ah, uh, not bad. What's your point, Colin? My point, guys, was is just there's a lot of talk about players sacking it, and you know. Left, you know, packed up for summer and all this. There's nothing left to play for, etc., etc. Well, you know, after the cup final, obviously. And my my point is, is that there's always something to play for Rangers, you know, no matter what. And I just think going forward, you know, if Michael Beale's turning around and saying that, uh, you know, everybody in that team, apart from Alfie and Ireland's going to be here next year. You know, there's no thing that's, that's a bit, uh, you know, if that's their attitude, geeing up like that, you know, because, I mean, there are, there are good players, and I'm, I'm sitting here watching Sky the Noon, you know, Spurs have sacked this guy after Spurs get beat 6 1 yesterday, and you're just thinking, it's always funny how the manager always gets the sack, and the, the players don't get the sack, and it's them that's the ones that's going out onto the park to do the job. You know what I mean? And as I say that, as a Rangers fan, I just don't like. In fact, that if, if, if they're saying, oh, well, there's nothing left to play for. I just, I just don't think that's a very good attitude going forward. I don't know what you think of that. William, thoughts? Yeah, look, at the end of the day, when you lose big games like that back-to-back, like the Celtic game and then obviously Aberdeen a few weeks later, I don't have a problem with people questioning the players because at the end of the day, those are the games that people will always remember at the end of the season if you want a league title. It's always the big games that people will look back upon. You know, the Rangers, Celtic games, the Rangers, Aberdeen, Rangers, Hibs, Rangers, Hearts. And those are always the ones that are talked about at the end of the season. Like They're always the big three points somewhere along there when you win the league. Um, so certainly to lose, you know, the game in the manner we did was deeply disappointing. And when you see some of the things that happened in the second half, you can understand the frustration of supporters... And I think the manager basically said it as well after the match. He wasn't happy with a lot of things that happened in that second half. And all right, the first goal was a bit freakish. But I want to see a good reaction to that goal. I want to see us get back on the front foot. I want to see us be aggressive. I want us to get into the final third and hurt teams. And we'll hit the nail on the head in that first half. You know, if you miss those type of opportunities in big football matches, more than often you'll regret it. And you just can't afford to miss big opportunities in football matches. And when you create that many chances to score, a good team should be probably looking at at least 50% finishing. If you see in the really big games, you might only get three chances. You probably need to take at least two of them, if not all three. Against Aberdeen, we created some real proper open chances. Like They weren't even half chances. They were proper full-on chances. And those are the ones that you expect to hit the back in the net. And there isn't any excuse. Because obviously when Sakala's down in goal, he just needs to put the ball in the back in the net. Alfredo's slightly unlucky. That ball could have probably ended up in the back in the net in another manner. But some of the other opportunities like Tav had and stuff like that, those have to, they have to end up in the back in the net. And see if Ringer's going at half time, a goal or two ahead, that game's over at half time. But when you come back out at 0-0, and uh, Barry Robson said the chance to have a go at his team at halftime and neck him out and show that reaction. We didn't show that reaction. And you wonder if maybe 
maybe at half time the manager should be having a pop at the players and saying, you know what, all right, he's played well and he's created opportunities, but we should be ahead on the scoreboard here. Let's get back out, let's up the tempo, let's up the quality, and let's go again. Do you know? And that's and that just didn't happen. I felt I felt like once Aberdeen scored, we just didn't seem to have that same intensity within the game. Although we did still create a couple of good chances that we probably should have scored from. Colin, I'll just come back to you if you're if you're still there. Are you do you think yeah. there's some do you think there's some players in this squad that have kind of checked out? Either because they think there's nothing to play for this season, or no, we've got a semi-final. But uh, do, is there is there an element that we some players are already thinking Sunday's a, a foregone conclusion in terms of you know the the likely result, or they're already thinking about their next move? Do you think there's players in the squad that are are thinking like that? Hundred percent, I think uh, Morales and I think Kent have got their you know their, their eyes elsewhere and. You know, they're definitely not functioning. They're 100% for us. I don't think that's acceptable. And I don't know, as I said, if, if the guys agree with that or no. But, I mean, you know, I just think, even at the 2-2, two, two, uh, even at the 5-2 game with St Mirren, I mean, for, for us to go ahead and then them come back, and it's just, it, it, it kinda, since Michael Beale's come in, and I know, I think Michael Beale's done a, an excellent job, by the way. For, you know, he's trying to get the best out of these players. He can't he turn around and say to them, Listen, he's a rock crap and I'm getting rid of him. He's, he's got to try and, you know, bump him up to try and get a game out of him for the end of the season. But I just think that, you know, I mean, especially after getting beat at Parkhead, that they've, you know, they've turned around and went, right, well, that's that, the league too. There's nothing else left to play for. You know, Maestrom on mass, no, no, like, you know, I mean, there's the same Morales and Kent, I think, have, have packed it up. Uh, but as I said, the rest of them, I just think that it's that kind of, that kind of attitude, and as I said, it's not just me. I've heard that I've been listening to a few podcasts and all that, and people just saying, you know, they've checked out for the summer and that's that summer holiday. And I'm like, no, not at all. See, at the end of the day, you know, I remember Richard, the, the, the days of Richard Goff and all that, when we won the league with five games, six games to go and they packed it up and all in, and you know, supporters were going, you know what, you're still paying good money to come here and watch the football, and you know what, we deserve. You know what I mean? You used to be going at it to the, right to the end of the season. You know what I mean? Regardless of whether he's going to win the league or no. You know what I mean? There's, there's still an old firm game we've played and on. Don't let them kid you that there's nothing left to play for. I mean, the reaction yesterday to us getting beat. I mean, we, we cheer up the whole of Scotland. Do you know what I mean? When we get beat, they just love it when we get beat. So, you know, uh, every win for us is a, 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 a must win for us as well. Do you know what I mean? No, I totally agree, Colin. Look, Colin, thanks very much for for taking the time eh, to to call in and eh, you know make sure you do it again and when we're when we're doing the future uh, future phone-ins. I really appreciate you calling in, mate. Okay, Cheers. Guys. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. No worries at all. Well, Colin's making a point there in terms of you know we we get to half time, not in each. You know, it's not the end of the world. Yes, we've passed up opportunities. We then. Aberdeen score, and I mean, it is a fluke. You know, it's, it's poor play, actually, in terms of, you know, Tav playing that ball at Morelos. Morelos is waiting on the ball. You know, he's got to go towards the ball there. He's he's, he's, he's waiting on it. Scales jumps in in front of him. He's attempted a cross, and it's flew in into the back of the net. And I think Williams touched on something that Colin was kind of alluding to there. The reaction after that, you know, that, that obviously gets their crowd up. And the next 10 minutes are going to be pretty key in that. You've got to keep yourself into the game because I think if you ride that storm, then you would hope our quality would start to come back into it. What you can't do is then lose another goal. I mean, it's... Are you surprised by it? Or again, are we, is this just the mentality of some of the players in this squad that when the going gets a bit tough, they struggle? We've been, say, we've been saying for weeks and weeks and possibly months that we can't have to stop giving giving teams a goal of a start because it's going to it's going to catch us out and we're not going to be able to get back into the game and that's exactly what happened yesterday. I mean, as you say, Stuart, we had to try and get straight back into the game and we couldn't. It gave Aberdeen a huge lift. I mean, Petodri was like a library. The Aberdeen support were pathetic until they scored. There was there was not hardly a murmur out of the entire first half because we were pummeling them. They knew that we that if we scored one, we'd be getting two, maybe three. And we'll get in with a good lead at half time, game and the game was done. 
and then came out second half. Scale scores that fluke, and that was there. They, they were up. They were going for it, and I don't know whether it spooked some of our players or we just thought, well, we've given plenty of teams a, a lead and we've got back into it. It's not a problem. That'll happen. Whether they just expected it to happen because it's happened something like fifteen times, uh, something like twenty-five times this season we've gone behind in games. And okay, we haven't always got back. We've got back most of the time. We've got back into these games. So whether they just expected that to happen, and then before we knew it, we're two and a half down. Now we can't, we can't, we can't afford for that to, that to happen. We didn't even look like scoring in that. From, from my from memory, and I haven't watched it back. I haven't had time. I've got no desire to either. To be perfectly honest, um, in the eight minutes between them opening the score and them scoring the second goal, I don't recall us having a clear cut chance in that time. With a couple more the end when the game was done, and the ones we had in the first half. But to me, it, it, they just they just got, got a complete grip of the game and it was going behind once once too often. I mean, the biggest problem we've got is we can't defend and we can't score goals. And that's the problem. I mean, it, it suddenly dawned on me at lunchtime today when I, when I was watching. See, if you show somebody a montage, our performance is box to box. They think they're world beaters. Because box to box, we can't, we can't defend. I mean, and we can't, you know, we can't score goals. I mean, I mean, Conor Golds have been missing. William touched on it earlier. No, Conor Golds have been missing is massive for us. I mean, I heard a, I heard a stat today that the 23 games we've played this season with Conor, we're letting 19 goals. 19 goals in 23 games. It's more than we should be letting in, but it's still not bad. In the 10 games he's not been there, we've let, we've let in 18 goals. Eh, sorry, 15 goals. That's outrageous. Yeah. It just shows how important he is. But one person shouldn't make that much difference. And most of the times when we've gone behind, Goldson's been there. So we haven't lost that that second goal to go to behind. Unfortunately, yesterday he wasn't there. Aberdeen got the lift from it. We didn't get a lift from it. Whether, I mean, to, to go back to the, 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 the callers' um, points, I think some of the players have checked out. I mean, Bill said a couple of weeks ago that they, that they know, everybody knows what's going on, who's staying and who's going. Now, if the players know that, the ones that have been told that there's no future for them, They'll, they'll not be, you know, they'll not be saying, well, it's Rangers and professional pride and I need to win the game. They'll not be giving the monkeys. They could, you know what I mean? For us, it matters to us, right? You know, as, as Colin said, it matters to every single one of us. Every Rangers game is important and we have to win it. It doesn't yeah. matter if we're 40 points clear or 40 points behind. Every single game we play, we have to win. The players don't think that's just a job to, to most of them. And that's, that's just a sad fact of life. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and you seen the screen there, guys. Obviously, the phone lines are still open. So, 0141 628 which I just come on. Let us know what you're thinking on this. Brian, talk me through Aberdeen's second goal. Now, not going to make a big deal of this. I do think there was a foul in the, the build-up to that. I do think it's not something that I think VAR should be getting involved in. But what I would expect is the referee to say, um, there's been a tug on Sakala's jersey there. I'm going to try and allow play advantage. There is no advantage. I'll then pull that back for a free kick. He did it in the first half when Cantwell was fouling one of their players. He allowed it to go and then he eventually brought it back. But that being said, there is then still enough time there. Then There's a, there's a large period of play. But talk me through what Ben Davis and Borna Barisic are doing or Probably more to put it, what they aren't doing um, for that second goal. It's funny. I was speaking about it today with my mate, and you know, I said to him, I said, you know, on the on the previous attack that we were trying to exploit, I says, you know, there was a foul on Sakala. I says the boy was blatantly trying to pull his shirt. I says, you know, it was it was it was clearly obvious. You know, he was obviously try to take one for the team and I says it wasn't as though it wasn't as though the move that we had went on like three or four phases Sakala released the ball and we immediately lost the ball so there was no advantage so yeah as you say you're kind of you're kind of looking at the referee to sort of say look you know give us you know give us the sort of foul there was no advantage but the defender then gives it back to the goalie goes up back comes back to us and I think Borna was sleeping. Um it was his 
at that point it was his man and he tried to blame everybody else, but the 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 sort of striker rolled rolled off him sort of style and went behind him and I mean it's a good header to be fair, but I mean yeah, it's as as Wolf and, and William have said, it's just another example of us being on top, not taking our chances and just being just being very, very poor at defending. And I mean, that stats that uh, Wolf's just come out with is frightening, just to show you how sort of important that uh, Goldson is. I mean, we, we, we kind of knew how important he was, but when Wolf sort of lays it in black and white there, it's it's quite startling sort of just how important he is. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it, and it, it got to the point yesterday where I just kind of laughed at the goals because I just... I just couldn't. I, I couldn't believe how bad they were, you know. As, as Will says, and William says, you know, the first goal that was. He tried to say in the the after match, a uh, commentary, you know, the interview that he he meant that he seen him off his line. There's no way he did. I'm sorry, not having that at all. He he, he meant he, he meant Brian, a big long cross. Sorry, Brian, just to come in there, I, I obviously, I live up here and saw that the local news tonight and they spoke to Ross McCrory, who was, I didn't even realise was their captain yesterday. And they asked him about that goal. He burst out laughing and went, that was a cross. Exactly. Yeah. But he tried to say in his after-match comments that it was he'd seen the goalie off his line. I was like, no, you didn't. Not a chance. When you go. Sorry, if, you the, if you saw the goalie line, if you, if you watch it back... He's looking into the box. If he's not the goal and I go for the papers, the other one can go back with a change. Yeah. I mean, but at the end the of the day, as, as, as Wolf says, we live up here and it's it's honestly like they've just won the league or a European trophy. It's just it's it's made their it's made their whole year without them beating us. But that's but that's what we all expect with it, with Aberdeen. Yeah, absolutely. As their cup final. Um William though, you know, you, you can you can lose Lose a, a fluke of a goal like that, uh, the, the first goal, but we've seen this play out far too many times. Not just this season, I think in other seasons, that second goal, teams are not having to work hard to get chances and score goals against us. They don't need to be creating lots of chances to to get to get goals. And there's a lack of communication there. And if you look at the Morelos chance in the first, you've got an Aberdeen player sensing danger and thinking, I'm going to try and get myself into a position where I might be able to impact this. And he does, he stops the shot on the line. At no point is Barisic or Davis talking to one another. And Barisic, he he, he doesn't sense any form of danger at at that moment. And we've seen this happen far too often, haven't we? Yeah, look, and I think one of the problems is it's not like it's it's not like it's the first time it's happened this season, and I think that's the problem a lot of supporters have got with it. Look, seeing any given game, you can lose a poor goal, but you shouldn't be losing the same type of goals again and again and again, and that's what's happened this season. And those type of goals really shouldn't be happening at this level of the game. You're talking about a creation international left back there who should know where his position is, he should know where the runner is. He should know exactly where he has to be on the pitch at that time. And if the worst comes to the worst, if Ben Davies sees the, you know, the run early enough, maybe he can get across, maybe he can do something. But you just feel like, I don't know, it's hard to explain at times with this team this season. And I think the manager has actually done well to get like what he has out of them since he's come into a point. But it does feel like in the last couple of weeks, we've seen just a little bit of a drift. And whether that's the... Um, during that international break that he sat down with the players and explained what's going to be happening at the end of the season. So if the players already know what's happening and they think they are leaving or they are definitely leaving, yeah, I mean, that's what's going to happen. Players are going to switch off. And it's not acceptable to a supporter, though, because, you know, you're paying your 32 £33 to go to Pataudry, you know, and you're spending whatever it is, like two or three hours in the bus if you're coming for Glasgow or whatever. So... There's no excuse for the goals that we lost. I mean, there's no way that Scales, you know, meant that. I mean, even, you know, the most kind of honest person in the world wouldn't even admit that he actually tried to do that. He's not got the ability to do it, for one. That's the one thing I would say. Um, but it's ridiculous that 
that after the game, you know, you've got the manager coming out and he's got to almost to a point try and back the players because, I mean, right now the biggest game is the next one <laughs> and it's the cup semi-final. So in some shape or form, he's got to get back into that group again and he's got to talk them back up again and he's got to get them, you know, back in a shape. And for all the grief that Kent gets online and everything else, you know, Kent's going to come back into that 11. Ozzy Golson's going to come in at the back. Um, I mean, for me, the biggest disappointment was not having Ryan Jack. I do think Ryan is very important in these type of games for us, and I think he offers a, a real good protection in front of that defence. And yet again, that kind of sums up our season, that a guy who was actually doing okay, playing well, probably one of his best games a few weeks ago, then gets injured, and he's in the last year of his contract. And yet again, that brings up all the doubts over, over giving him another year. I mean, see, after yeah. every defeat, you start to think about everything. Like, you think about, oh, he's out of contract, so we shouldn't give him a contract, you know, and there'll be guys that'll be like, you know, like sort of, um, yeah, Kent's not good enough, like, you know, he shouldn't be starting next Sunday. Alfredo didn't put in enough effort against Aberdeen. He shouldn't start next Sunday. The problem is, see when the manager looks around the dressing room and he sees what else he's got to pick. <laughs> I mean, what's he supposed to do? Because guys are yeah. like, well, like, Sakala can't hit a barn door when he's one-on-one, right? So you don't start Sakala, and if you don't start Morelos, well, who do you start? And then if Goldstein comes back in, it's like, well, he's got to pick either Ben Davies or John Suter next to him, because I don't see his going into a five. I just don't see his doing that next week. And if you look at the midfield three, it would seem at the moment that Glenn Kamara's almost 100% on the outside looking, because he's, he's not really getting a game. And the fact that Ryan Jack isn't going to be available for the Cup semi-final, it probably means that Lundstrom has to play again, and he's the guy that seems to be absolutely frustrating the life of everybody. So how does a manager get into the dressing room and like whatever it is, Tuesday when the players return, and actually try and get these guys back on side to a point where they can actually go out there and put in a big performance? Because I think, I think the general consensus amongst a lot of people right now is that there's probably not a huge amount of belief in the players to go and do it on Sunday. When you wake up on Sunday morning, we'll feel totally different. Yeah, You know what I mean? Because the battle fever kicks in and you automatically think you're going to go and win the game. But I think for the rest of this week, there's going to be a lot of questions asked. But I'm not so sure the manager can do a hell of a lot with what's left for him to pick from. If you had Roof available, and if Sakala was doing well in terms of maybe doing a little bit more in the final third of the park, if it didn't have guys missing, then you could look at that and say, right, that's your strongest 11. But no matter who starts next Sunday, there will be question marks around them ahead of the summer. Because you could argue that some of the guys that play on Sunday have got a high likelihood that they're not going to be here next year. I mean, up to half of that team that starts on Sunday might not be here next year, which is yeah. which isn't really something that you should have every season, but we seem to have this big turnaround, and a lot of people spoke about what happened last year, but the reality is we're probably going to be in the same boat in the summer, and then the manager's going to have to recruit again in the following January, and then the following summer, because you can't do all of those signings in one go. We saw that in January. I'm sure the manager would have loved to have added another one or two, but the reality is he got two in, and they're two good players, but two players doesn't change the focus of the entire team. And that's what the manager's got to do this summer. But he just needs to somehow find a way of getting the biggest reaction from that team on Sunday. He just needs to get that, that reaction. If we lose on Sunday, the remaining league games could be they could be pretty bad to watch, to be honest. Because yeah. if the heads have went after Parkhead in the league, what are they going to be like after the Cup semi-final? Just very, just very quickly, guys. Um, I'm in the background. I'm I'm playing producer tonight. We've had one phone call. Get your phone calls in. Don't be shy. Um, it's took me months to get this working. Get your phone calls in and get them in now. <laughs> it's good to have the boss back into. He just he just jumped on and just demands that people phone him. Absolutely. Uh, well, what do you get? Just in in terms of what was being said at the game yesterday and in terms of you no know, Williams touched there about you know the, what more the manager can do. Yeah. In terms of his substitutions yesterday, was there much chatter? No, I think we've we've 
establish why Raskin was taken off. He had a bit of an ankle knock. Um, so I think there was an element of protecting him there. Scott Arfield, though, stripped and ready to go. Probably about 20 minutes to go. Comes on with two minutes to go. Couple of games now, I think there's been some mutterings and a bit unsure in terms of how the manager's using these substitutions. Was there much said in the stands yesterday? And you're on mute. 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 Oh. There you go. Yeah, sorry about that. There was, there was plenty said, but not a, not a hell of a lot, not a hell of a lot of it that I can repeat on here. To be perfectly honest, without getting shut down. Um, yeah, it was noticeable that he had. It was very noticeable, even from the ridiculous vantage point we get at Petosan when you can't when you can see the square root of nothing. For as William says, thirty three quid for the privilege, but that's another issue. Um, you could see that he had players warming up, he had players stripped, and they were sitting down again, and they were back up, and they were sitting down. My, my daughter, who was with me at the game, who's a big, big Scott Arfield fan, was screaming Arfield every time the ball went out of play, get Arfield on, get Arfield on, get Arfield on. And as some, I think it was Caroline said in the comments, bringing Scott Arfield on the 87th minute was ridiculous because it was it was crying out for somebody before then. Now, I didn't think for a minute bringing Arfield on was going to get us the two goals that it got us the last time at Petodre because lightning doesn't strike twice. It would have been nice, but lightning doesn't strike twice like that. But he had to do something. My biggest problem with the substitutions, other than the fact that he makes them kind of late, he doesn't make substitutions to change to change the way the team's playing. It's like for like all the time. I mean, he came out after the game and said he took Raskin off, passed a fitness test late on to play in the game. At two nothing, he took him off to protect him for next week. So is that him chucking in the towel at two nothing, saying, "Well, the job's done." You know what I mean? And there was another thing in the comments here, directed to you, William. Um, would it be worth putting Lovelace to nothing? Because he couldn't have done any worse than the strikers that were there. You know what I mean? So, could you could you have done something? It's, yeah, well, it's I think I mean, what he said after so... being two nothing. He was away. You know what I mean? Yeah, look, it's difficult. I mean, you're talking about putting, you know, like a seventeen-year-old kid on the game, hoping to get a reaction. And I think the fear for the manager would be putting on guys like Bailey, who's sixteen, and Zach, seventeen, when the team's two nothing down. And I think that's possibly what he's fought. But I genuinely don't think that. Either Zach or Bailey would have had any fear if they'd come on the pitch. I don't I don't think those two would worry about such things. And maybe at two or eight, his mindset might have been, let's not lose any more than two. But I don't think that should ever be a mindset as a Rangers manager. I think, you know, there's still long enough left in the match that we can turn that around. There was still, don't know, the bench isn't outstanding, right? But there's still enough guys on there that you could maybe bring on and push a little bit more, maybe be a little bit more aggressive. But yeah, like certainly to take Raskin off, all right, if he was struggling a wee bit, fair enough. But to basically admit at that point that we probably weren't going to be able to turn that around, isn't he probably? And I sometimes think Michael, when he speaks, it doesn't actually come across as to what he's trying to mean. And I still think the interview that he did, where he was talking about, it'll only be like Alan and Alfredo that will not be here next season. So people start looking at the start and the loving and think, Shit, so we're keeping the other nine guys. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I think at times maybe he should have a little bit more thought processing before he speaks because it, it sort of feels like every time he talks now, whether that's in a press conference, the reaction, these interviews on Sky, he'll say something and then straight away it's like, what do you mean Scott Arfield's not getting released in the summer? Or what do you mean we're not selling this guy? Or And it's like, it's a horrible time of year because there's so much going on. But, yeah, I guess there's so many frustrating things in that second half for me when you watched it. And, you know, Stephen they sit down and analyse that again. I mean, it's going to be a horror show to watch some of the stuff, especially the defending for the second goal. And I do think the reaction of the players wasn't great. And see if you're going to just drop off at, you know, Petodre. What are you going to be like when you have to play at Parkhead, when you have to play at other places? Is it only when you go ahead that you're comfortable that you think you're going to go and win the game? Oh, and I've seen Rangers put Audrey under better managers with better players, but they haven't just almost kind of dropped off, though. They've kept going to the 90th minute. And in some of those games, we've managed to get a point. We've managed to go and win the game. But 
my feeling was when we lost that first goal, I, I didn't think we were going to come back. And that must be a huge concern when the manager looked out on that pitch with his coaching staff. And you sort of wonder if he felt as though the players were good enough to come back and win that game. Because certainly how he spoke after the match, it didn't really sound like he had the faith in those players to turn that around, even though it was just 1-0. Yeah, and I think you know what we've seen over the last few games is that when we're on top, we don't get that goal. You know, we had a spell in the second half at Parkhead where we were clearly on top with a couple of chances. If you get the goal, then you know what the the difference that that makes. We don't, we don't. We, yesterday, we don't get the goal when we're on top, and then we're we're playing catch up. Brian, the 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 rest of the game, then we kind of huff and puff. Tav is a chance. Matondo has a chance, which actually I think he's a bit unlucky with. I mean, I actually thought he made really good connection with that ball, and um, I thought Andy Walker's analysis of it was was more than off uh, in in how he described it. But regarding Matondo, you know, yeah, these are really brief cameos, right? So I think we we all appreciate that. I think what we're definitely seeing here is that this is a boy that likes to play on the left hand side. He looks far more comfortable there. Um, you know, are we beginning to see that there's potentially a, a player in there and you know that we can utilise his, his attributes? Because, I mean, there was a couple of times where he's, he's leaving players for dead. And, you know, the, the, the boy does have ability. You know, is there shoots of optimism there? <clears throat> I think I said it after the last home game. You know, he came on and... You know, he made a, an assist in that game. He looked lively. And yesterday was exactly the same. He came on. I mean, there was one point where he was he he was just in just outside the sort of the, the final third and he, he got this burst of pace. He took away from them and he unleashed a shot. Fair enough, it was it wasn't on target, but I mean, you know, he, he left the, the the midfielders or the defenders for dead. And you know, there is as you say, there is shoots of um, positivity there in the sense that he's he's definitely got something about him. Um, his, his his I suppose his whole problem is that he's got Kent in front of him, but Kent wasn't available yesterday. So, um, and then of course, what's going to happen in the summer? Goodness only knows who's going to stay, who's going to go, because that could be a that could be a total merry-go-round. You know, player it could be just players coming and going. And but as you say, there was definitely signs of Matondo yesterday. I mean, as you say, his only problem with his shot was that he probably he, he probably side footed it too much instead of tried to like bend it with his right foot as such. But everything was there, you know. It just clipped the outside of the post. But there's definitely there's definitely signs there that Matondo has got something about him. As I, as I, as I suggested last week, it's probably a case of that he's one of these guys that just needs games to sort of get you know minutes under his belt and you know because yeah. he's not played much um so yeah, yeah I, would, I, I would suggest that he just needs minutes okay we've got another caller on the line we've got john waiting john can you hear us i can hear you how you doing uh not bad mate how you doing, um, how's you? How's you i'm good i'm good i'm good um, I just wanted to speak about how the manager says, I think it was Friday in an interview, he said he'd already spoke to three players. So that obviously means that they're out of contract because you can't speak to players that are in contract. So that obviously means they're going to be free transfers. Does that mean that other players are going to be for the rest of the, the I'm doing the inverted comma fingers here, the budget? So potentially you could have like three, a free transfer come in, you could have somebody like a Jack Butland. Both. I think Wolf might be away again, mate. I think he's struggling a bit there. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah, William, do you want to take that one? No, certainly Jack Butlin's been somebody that has been linked probably since like January. I think a lot of people are looking at a similarity to what happened to Joe Hart. And he was back up at Crystal Palace. He's basically went and been like the third choice goalkeeper at Manchester United. He's out of contract in the summer. Um, and I think he's only 29.30, so it's not like he's past his best as a goalkeeper. 
yeah, again, this obviously comes down to like a judgment call because he's he's played very little football in the overall scheme of things. So how do you judge where he is in terms of his qualities as a goalkeeper? Do you need to go back to his time at Stoke and stuff like that? And do you need to look at where he was in terms of then to now? Or do you take a chance on the fact that he's a free agent and and that you're prepared to bring him in? Do you know, these are the type of things. And see, the only thing I would say these days, and I get what John's saying about you've got to be a free agent for managers to speak to players. Well, I would like to think that is the case, but it, but it's not always, you know, see if you know that a player's going to be maybe on the transfer list in the summer and he's going to be made available. A lot of these things are done through agents now, aren't they? So a lot of these things can be done privately at hotels and stuff like that. For me, the big thing is the manager... I think as he's as he spoke about recently in one of the press conferences or maybe one of the interviews with Sky, see when we start pre-season, whenever that's going to be, if it's the start of July, for instance, the majority of the players that he wants need to be in by that point. Because he he needs to work with these players for three, four weeks every single day, you know, working on training, working on setup, working on formation, how he wants the team to play, everything that comes with that. See, when you start adding guys in the last week of the window, the last two weeks of the window, that doesn't work because you're already into the league season and stuff like that. And I don't think that's always something that that has helped us. Um, I mean, the Winks rumours are interesting because he's clearly a kid that has been kind of highly sought after at one point. He's obviously on a big wage. So, yet again, he would need to take a fairly substantial wage cut if he was to come to Rangers. I mean, like the other name that I heard was Ethan Ampadu, who obviously plays in Italy. He's in loan from Chelsea. I think he's under contract to 2024. But uh, all of these names might be nothing. I think people are just trying to look at the fact that, that obviously Bill came out and said that he's looking at players that he knows. So people have obviously looked at all the English guys or whatever that are playing in Italy and just kind of picked these guys. I mean, look, there could be a player in Italy that the manager has known from his time at, at Chelsea or his time when he's been in South America. You know, there's so many players out there. Or maybe he was just putting that out there as a wee kind of fish hook to try and catch a couple of people. I mean, I don't know. But the simple reality is, is we need a new first-choice goalkeeper. We're probably going to need another centre-half. We probably need another couple of midfield players. And we most definitely need a couple of goal scorers. And like John, that's have you... You know? Yeah, John, you get your eye on Andy, is, is, is like a Butland you mentioned there, would that be a signing that you think is, would it be good? Do you think it's doable for Rangers to get somebody like that? Is that, and is that this, the kind of stature of goalkeeper that we need to be going for? Well, I would, I would say so. Um, if you compare him to McGregor and McLaughlin, he, McGregor and McLaughlin are 66, he's Butland's about an 80. If you get what I'm talking about, FIFA ranking wise. Right, okay. So he's going to be a better option than what we've got. I mean, <laughs> at the Celtic game, the second goal, McGregor didn't attempt to go down because he's 41, he can't get down. Your yep. goalkeeper should be able to dive at a player's feet. Your goalkeeper should be able to come out and wipe a player out. I mean, see the one yeah. thing we that I've that, Rangers, we, our, our keepers are. are Powder puff keepers, very very powder puff keepers. The um, the amount of goals that Rangers lose for cross balls and Borna Barisic at the back post is a disaster, an absolute disaster. So we're prone to lose goals in every game we play. So the the old adage was you build to the back, so you get you go and you get a good keeper and you build to the build a spine of the team. I mean, see, just a quick question coming back to you, John, right? See if you've got a budget, right? Say you've got £10 million in the budget. Where does most of that budget get spent? Because see if you can only bring in certain players on a free. Should should that money be spent on a number nine and a goalkeeper? Because then that strengthens the spine of the team. Or do you think, you know, that that money needs to be spent on certain players, for instance? Like, do you think that's how it's going to be come the summer? No, I think we need to budget carefully so I think we need to look at free transfers so what I was saying if he goes in if he goes out and gets three good free transfers 
and then goes out and spends the budget, say it's 10, 15 million, whatever it is, on good players to complement so you'd be good and you'd buy a centre-half, a centre-midfielder and a centre-forward. Good centre-forward. There you go, you've built a spine of your team, goalkeeper, centre-half, centre-midfield, goalkeeper, uh, centre-forward. Well, John, <clears throat> really good point. Thanks very much for, for calling in. Make sure you call in again when we, we, no we do the next one. But I appreciate you taking the time to call us, mate. Appreciate that. Stuart, I think um, just a really quick point, like, uh, yeah. before you go around to the other guys. I mean, that's one thing that interests me, right? See if you have that budget in the summer, where do you spend? Where do you spend the majority of that money? Do you know, like, where, like, sort of, do you need to, you know, if we can't get a really good free agent goalkeeper, how much do we need to spend to bring in a first-choice goalkeeper, right? And see if we need to bring in a number nine, like, a number nine that we know will get us 20 goals a season in the league. Or twenty-five goals, whatever that is. How much money can we like almost like kind of segment into each department of the squad? Because to me, I don't know the answer to that. So I do believe we will have to use the best boysmans that are available. But I but, just, and I, you know, I agree with you, William. I think John spot yeah. on. I think you know we 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 can't be splashing millions in every player that we bought back bring in this yeah. summer, you know, we've got to look at that market and make sure that we, we, we utilise it, so absolutely. Um, right, we've got another call, uh, we've got Tom, was it Tam, uh, on on the line, um, Tam, are you there? Uh, I, I actually thought it might happen today, so I'm, I'm not surprised at all, but anyway, that, that's fine. Um, Brian, I want to move on to quickly talk about two players who, when we have a bad result, now seem to be getting quite a bit of the the criticism. So let's start with Tillman, who it seems now to be up there in, in terms of when something doesn't go right or we put in a poor performance, what what um suddenly gets that that level of criticism. Now I look at yesterday, do I think he had the best game? No. But I also look at the fact that it's Tillman that plays the pass to Sakala for the one and one. It's Tillman that plays the pass to Barisic for his effort. It's Tillman that plays the ball through to Matondo for his his chance. Are we... Is, is, is the criticism too harsh? I think this has been the whole issue with Tillman. I think because he's not thundering into tackles and, you know, winning 50-50s and, you know, doing all this sort of dirty work in midfield, I think that's been levelled at him as you know he's not good enough for but again I'll take that I'll you know I'll swing that around again. You know, he's that's another big game where he's kind of for the wanton posted missing, you know, it's the Celtic games and you know it's he's he's one of these guys that you look at and you think he should be making mincemeat of this league. You know, he's got all the skill. I mean, don't get me wrong, if all he can do is assist. You know, if he lays it on like Sakala for example yesterday that's all he can do. He's he's then waiting for the guy to go and finish it off. So in, in some respects, when he's laying it on for a guy for an assist, for example, he he can't he can't help him finish. Um, you yeah. know, he's he's done his job in as a, in in the sense that getting the move going, releasing the pass, and then giving giving the forward the opportunity. So it's not as it's not as though that he can influence anything else apart from that. Um, but yeah, I I. I I, I'm totally on the fence with Tillman. I, I do get some people want him, you know, because he is a, obviously a good player. But then at the same time, you, you, you know, he's 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 kind of going missing, and you know, so I, I'm I'm totally on the fence with Tillman. But as, as I say, I don't think he was the worst yesterday. <laughs> there was far far more culpable sort of players than him. At least he was actually contributing to trying to make amends. For the result, but yeah, I, I I I get where people are coming from with them. Okay, um, we've got our call, Curry. You're on the you're on the line. How's things? <laughs> right, where's Mark? Where's Mark? So I can shout at him. I think he got on the first <laughs> light to the rigs as soon as he could. As soon as he heard you were coming back, oh, that, that was brilliant. Oh God, I I, I never heard it uh, when it was first when you were doing it live, but I heard it later on in that, and I'm like, Jesus, I'll tell you what, Mark's got, Mark, Mark done well, 
just to no say anything. That would be me. I, I couldn't have kept my mouth shut. I would have went radio rental. But you know, <laughs> know what I'm like. Oh, God. <laughs> right, what, did what did you make of yesterday? Oh, God, uh, it was uh, abysmal. It was absolutely abysmal, Stuart. Uh, first half, we dominated. Kept the ball. We looked I mean, as if we were confident. Uh, we were we were doing a, a live watch-along and we were talking to each other and we are saying, it'll just be like Aberdeen to go along and score now. And I'm sure enough, it did. Uh, Tav, we are poor. Clearance. Uh, Morelos, with his finger up his arse. Uh, scale was the guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, he just hits the ball. One, the, the wind catches it. Starts heading it towards goal. And McGregor forgot, forgot to throw his zimmer for him at it. It was that slow try to backtrack to catch it. It was an absolute, it was a comedy of errors. Second goal uh, was just uh, the, the defender for Davies was shocking. Disney jumped with the ball. Bought a Barisic yet again falling asleep, which he's been doing time after time. Uh, and you can't take it away. I, I said earlier on, you can't take anything away for that header. That was a if that was a Rangers player putting that in the back of the net, we would have been going off our head. That was a that was a, a good goal. So we can't say anything. Yeah. But I just think we looked really, really panicky. As soon as the first goal went in, I just thought we panicked to bits. We just there was there was no uh what's the, what's the word consistency to how we were playing. And then you were talking about later on with the the substitutions. I think Bill's got a lot to blame for yesterday because watching the game and seeing Arfield in 70 minutes, I was like, oh, well, at least he's got his out trying to get Arfield on. That, that's good. And then about 78 minutes, I seen him sitting back down uh, with Jacqueline, and he looked absolutely raging. He was no pleased. Then he never came on to mm-hmm. the 87th minute, and I'm like, what the hell? What, what's going on? What is going on? I just think he should have made wholesale changes, because the, the guys that were on that part weren't going to do anything. They, 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 they wouldn't beat after about... 10 minutes after the one now, they looked as if they just couldn't be bothered. Obviously, they, they weren't it wasn't as bad as that. But I just think their heads went down and they were just like, ah, we'll just, we'll just play. We're, we're, they never gave 100%. It, it was pretty shocking. But the question I wanted to ask, right, is how much money, realistically, now, this is for you guys, this is not what you think the board's going to do. This is not what you think that Bill or anybody says this is what you guys how much do you think we really really need to put into this squad to win the title next year and some cups because if we don't do it that what catches up in titles and that that's just unthinkable we can't let that happen so how much would you want not to spend wealth we need to spend an awful lot more than we've got. That's the problem. Because it's going to cost an absolute fortune. I mean, the, the whole time we were down the leagues, that, that lot thrusted all the European money that obviously they were getting, despite the fact they were absolutely honking, they were still getting lots of it. And they thrusted it. 2016 semi-final, we beat them and they shat it. And they brought in Brendan Rodgers on a hell of a size of contract. Yeah. And then we won, we won the league two years ago and they shat it again. And they, they threw they threw all their eggs into into their, into their second choice. Brought brought in Postecoglou and gave him forty million pounds to spend. And look where, look where they are now because they gave him a fortune to spend. We don't have that kind of money. We're as sure as you said earlier. We're going to have to be very very clever in the transfer market. I mean the way I'm reading what, what Michael Beale's saying, if we have to take him to his word, Curry, he's saying that he's got five players that he's fairly confident are going to come in. So to me, those five players blow the budget we've got whether that's a mix of out-of-contract players on free transfers and signings. And any other business he does will depend on the money that he brings in for shifting players on. And quite frankly, I don't think we'll get a lot for what we've got left. So to answer your question directly, we need to spend an awful lot more money than we've got. So how much is an awful lot, Wolf? <laughs> don't know. I, haven't, I don't know, but I, I reckon to change this team, you can't do one. Um, I'm sure you guys said that on the on your on your main podcast gig because um, I listened to it earlier on. Very good, by the way. Um, I'm sure you guys said oh, on that, that um, you know I'm, I'm sure you guys I'm sure you guys said on that it's going to take more than one window. I'm sure Colin said that. 
It's going to take more than one window. Right. It is going to take more than one window. So we're going to have to we're going to have to bring in these five players that Michael Wheel keeps going on about. They have to be five starters. They've got to be because we need starters in the team. As you know, as we've been saying on eight, we need a goalkeeper. We need a couple of goal scorers. We probably need at least one, possibly two centre halves. We're going to be losing half the mid, half the midfield players that we've got, squad players certainly. So we need we need to bring in players because the problem we've had since we came back to the top division, the reason we've still got players that have been there for a long time, we're bringing in squad players. We're not bringing in first team starters. We have to bring in first team starters, like we did with Cantwell and Raskin. They came in as first team starters, and with the exception of the biggest game he should have played them in and didn't in the League Cup final. They've been starting all the time and making a making a bit of a difference. So we need to bring in, for, and that's going to cost an awful lot of money. You're right, Curry, and I can't put a finger on it because I don't I don't know the, the current market. Brian, Brian, let's give Curry a number. Let's give Curry a number, Brian. Give him give him a number. What you? Just, just, yeah, thank just you, give mate. him an <laughs> I'll try. I'll try and give him a number. Um, obviously, when Beal's speaking about five players, he's obviously. I would imagine speaking in the free transfer market and you know wheeling and dealing. So, I mean, is is we're asking in Cantwell, he spent three million between roughly three million, just there or thereabouts with three million between the two of them. So, he's probably looking. You're probably looking at something like fifteen to twenty-five million ish, roughly, to bring a squad together that's capable of. I mean. I, 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 at Parkhead, I didn't think we were awfully far behind. It was just individual errors, um, but squad-wise, that's that's the the sort of issue now. It's the it's the out of out of contract players that are leaving. That's our our big problem. It's that you know they're that's going to be the bulk of replacing is because a lot of guys are leaving out of contract either players that are injured or players that are just you know coming to the end of their contracts or chose not to renew. So you're looking at, you could possibly be looking at anything up to 25 million to even remotely, to remotely compete. I mean, we, we all thought, we all thought Gerard's sort of remit was unsurmountable in the sense that stop, you know, getting that league win. But he did very well in doing a lot of uh, players out of contract from England. You know, you, you, you pay nominal fees in England, obviously, for uh, development fees. So it's... It's not ins- it's not insurmountable in the sense that we don't have to spend an awful lot. We've just got to be very clever in the market. Yeah. No worries. Curry, thanks very much for your for your phone call. Well, uh, I'll I'll give you I'll give you a number. I'll say ten million, right? I, I think you know, I, I don't think the gap's as big as they make out, but I, I would say between eight to ten million, if we could spend that in the summer, I think we would we would be we'd be closer. But appreciate you giving us a call. Sticking up for us after that bad yeah, ball yeah. phone then. Um but I just, yeah, just forgive that. For a Reeman Howler to followers and a Reeman Howler's coming to call up. No surrender. Is he difficult to yeah. be putting numbers on things like you don't know the cost of the of the players the manager's looking at? I mean, he might yeah. feel as though that if he can bring in three players that are on Bosman's right. But their true value is maybe ten million, right? So getting these three guys in and free, you know, it's even we signed Aribo for three hundred grand. That wasn't Aribo's, you know, value. No, yeah. you know what I mean. And like, so we brought in Raskin for a million. Well, that's not Raskin's true value because he only had six months left of his contract. Do you know what I mean? So like, these values yeah. that that we put on players are not really accurate. But it's what it's what we have to pay to bring these players in. And yep. I think the concern is if we continue to look at the English market, it can be heavy in terms of the wages. And that's where like, you have to balance out the transfer fee and the wages at the same time, because it's very difficult to do that. Agreed. Okay, then, conscious of the, the time, we've, we've went over the, the hour there. But um, I'll bring it to a close there. Obviously, throughout the week, we'll start obviously building up towards... Uh, the the weekend game and okay so as I said we will be bringing you more kind of content obviously leading up to the weekend's game we will um, obviously go in more depth to that um, obviously if you like what you've been listening to apart from the two 
two morons that have called in. Um, please think about joining us on over on Patreon. There's loads of extra shows on on Patreon, and we'll uh, you know we go through um, EPL shows. Wilf does his own show about getting to know podders. He's going to get some of the Patreons on that as well. So loads of extra contact content on that which helps support the pod and helps it helps it grow um i'm just going to take an opportunity just to say um a hello to ian and his son cheers ian for coming up and having a wee chat with me and work really i know you'll be watching and listening so i appreciate that i uh, hope you're doing well um but all i can left to say is thanks very much for everybody for for uh listening in thanks to all those that called in some of them that called in um thanks to brian for joining us cheers Thank you. Enjoyed that one. Well, thanks for that. Cheers, Joe. Thanks, Joe. And for William, how's things? Cheers for joining us. Yeah, I think Martin just wanted to give a wee quick shout out to Robert Carmichael as well. So hope you're all yeah. well, mate. No worries. And uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be back shortly uh, with with more rabble content. Great, folks. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.